If you want warmth, you must stand near the fire. If you want strength, you must withstand the weight. Like raw metal, through force and flame, we are tested. As the hammer falls, we are shaped, bent, made into something new. From scrap to substance, from crude to crafted, with every strike, formed and made with purpose. If you want faith, you must be forged, refined by fire. I love what God is teaching us. I love all the feedback we've been getting about the way God is moving in our hearts and our lives. It's so amazing and exciting. And in our series, we've been studying this guy in the Bible named Joseph. Now, it's not the earthly dad of Jesus like New Testament Joseph. This is Old Testament Joseph. This is a guy who not a lot of people know a whole lot about, but man, like 30% of Genesis is dedicated to this guy. I mean, like he's an all-star. And unbelievable, his life he just holds on to God, and he faces some hardships, I mean, some difficulties, some challenges. We'll even see that today, but he stays faithful. Now, we pick up his story when he was 17 years old, and he grew up in a great house. I mean, his great-grandfather was Abraham. I mean, like, the Abraham, right? So that's like a good family line. I mean, like, it's pretty awesome. Right? Abraham, and then Isaac, his grandfather, and then Jacob, his dad, and then he's one of 12 brothers, 12 brothers who actually become the 12 tribes of Israel. And so we see this guy, Joseph, man, and he is just like growing up in this great family. But what we saw a couple of weeks ago is this, is there was generational sin that was passed down. Generational sin that came down from Abraham to Isaac and Isaac to Jacob, and Jacob passed it on to his family. And in all of our lives, we said there's a generational sin that's passed down. And there was favoritism in this family. And, and Joseph was the favorite child. He was the golden child. And his older brothers didn't like that too much. And instead of dealing with conflict in a healthy way and saying, hey, Dad, we need to talk about this, or hey, Joe, this is what is kind of is going on and what we're feeling, they just decided to sell him into slavery. They said, we're going to get rid of our younger brother. We're just going to take him and sell him into slavery. And they did. And so we saw last week he was sold into slavery. He heads down to Egypt, gets down to Egypt, and he is sold to Potiphar, who is the head of the guard for Pharaoh, okay? So, I mean, this guy is in this house, big house, lots of manservants, maidservants, but Joseph, right, could have been bitter, could have been angry, but he just stays faithful. And even though he's in a place he doesn't want to be, he holds on to God, and he kind of rises up in the ranks. Eleven years he's there serving Potiphar. And then he kind of is doing really well, but then his boss's wife starts to hit on him. And last week, if you missed it, it was a little spicy, so you can go back and kind of listen to that and watch that and kind of pick up on it. But we said this, that temptation is going to come in our life. Right? We're going to face conflict. How do we deal with that in a healthy way? But we're going to face temptation. What do we do with that? And sure enough, Potiphar's wife, his boss's wife, says, hey, come to bed with me. And Joseph's like, uh-uh, not going there, right? Not going to do that. You're married, right? Just want to get a newsflash, just a reminder, you're married, and I don't want to sin against God. I don't want to sin against God, so I'm not going to do it. Well, she gets angry, right? She's rejected. She says to Potiphar, hey, this guy, he tried to come in on me. And so Potiphar takes him and throws him in prison. And we left off last week with Joseph in prison. Now, just imagine, you're Joseph. You're like, seriously, God? I did the right thing. I said no, right? I mean, what in the world is going on here? I have this great family. I'm like, Why am I here? 
And maybe sometimes in your life you kind of feel that way. You're like, really, God? I mean, why am I battling this illness? Why am I struggling with this job I hate? I don't want to be in it. Why, why am I not where I should be? I, my mind and my thoughts. God, why am I not married? Or why am I not with kids? Why am I not here? And we always kind of go there. And, and so often in our lives we do that. But somehow Joseph, even in the midst of that worry, even in the midst of that doubt, he just held on to God. Hold on to God. Hold on to God. Hold on to God. Now, Lisa, my wife, and I were talking last week about this. And, and Lisa was like, you know what? His parents... You know, even though they passed down this generational stem, which Joshua, I mean, Joseph actually stops it, right? Because it impacts other people, like goes down the line. But, but he stops that in his own family. But we were talking about how his parents, Jacob and Rachel, they gave him a spiritual foundation before 17. And how important it is for all of us who are parents here, you know, when you pour into your kids, you're giving them a spiritual foundation. And I want to just encourage you in that, parents, because, man, I know sometimes it's hard. You get busy, and it's like, you know, so many ventures you're running to. But when you have them at church, when you talk to them about the Lord, when you help them at VBS or mission trips or those things, you're setting a groundwork. Because like Joseph, man, all of a sudden they went off, you know, and our kids are 18, going to go off to college. They're going to go off somewhere. And have we set that foundation? Now, we never stop parenting, right? You never stop parenting. But, but in those formidable years, and Joseph was just a man who was solid. And God used him in an incredible way. And I'm thankful for godly parents to say, hey, it's church, it's important, because we are raising up spiritual leaders like Joseph. All right, so if you have a Bible, open with me now to Genesis chapter 40. Genesis chapter 40. And we're going to see this unfold today. So here's Joseph in prison going, really, God? What is going on? Where are you? Did you forget about me? Because I'm here in prison. Now, if you don't have a Bible, we've got some Bibles in the back. We'll put the scripture on the screen. You can follow along with what God's Word says. Or if you have a mobile device, pick up on version and let's unpack the Word of God today. It says, Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. All right, so the cupbearer, the cupbearer is actually the guy who puts the wine in the cup, hands it to Pharaoh. Right? Now, this would be a big job because back then, if you were to kill a king or a pharaoh, you would probably try to poison them. You couldn't get past the bodyguards, most likely, so you would try to poison them. So the cupbearer, big job, highly respected. And, and so he offends the king, and so does the chief baker, who's the head chef. Now, it's never good to offend the king. I just got to tell you, I don't, it doesn't matter when, what you do in history. If you offend the king, you're in trouble. And sure enough, verse 2, Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer, and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. So Joseph, even in prison, kind of rises up in the ranks, and now he's taking care of these two guys who are two of the most highly respected people in the whole kingdom. But they've done something to offend the king. Now, we don't know whether it was there was a fly in the wine, or whether it was, you know, sand and bread. We don't know what it was, but these guys are both in jail, and Joseph is taking care of them. Well, after they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials, who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? So here's Joseph. He comes by to bring breakfast. He looks at these guys. He's like, hey, what's going on? 
there's something that's troubling you. Why are you so sad today? And they said, we both had dreams. They answered, but there's no one to interpret them. Now, Joseph knows a little bit about dreams. Remember when he was a kid, right, 17, he had these dreams that he was going to be a leader one day, that God was going to do great things through him. And so Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. I love that. I love that Joseph's like, hey, it's all about God. It's not about me, you know, but, but I'm, it's all about God. Hey, don't interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, in my dream, I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup in his hand. Okay, so you're listening to that, you're like, oh, what does that mean? You know, <laughs> and, and I'm sure Joseph's like, um, praise about it, Holy Spirit, give me wisdom. This is what it means, verse 12, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, Right? When you're reestablished, you're in your place, you're back in the palace, when all goes well with you, show me kindness, mention me to Pharaoh, and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. So Joseph's like, hey, you're going to be restored. But when you are, hey, don't forget about me. You know, get me out of here. You're, like, you're my ticket out. Let's go. Well, when the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. On my head were three baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh. But the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. What do you think that means? Well, this is what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and impale your body on a pole and the birds will eat away your flesh. <laughs> Great, thanks, man. <laughs> really? <laughs> I like his interpretation better. <laughs> I want to go back to that. Seriously. No, that, I love that Joseph, he didn't like, you know, try to sugarcoat it. I mean, he just said, basically, dude, it's not going to go well for you. Now, can you imagine this guy for three days? He's like, like every night sleeping, going, uh, I'm getting ready to have my head cut off. You know, it's like, all I want is to get ahead in life. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, sorry. So now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday. And he gave a feast for all his officials. And he lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. So picture the scene, right? Everybody's in. There's birthday celebration for Pharaoh. It's a big party. All the people were there. And he brings these guys out onto the stage. And here's the cupbearer. And here's the chief baker. And he takes a sword, he lifts up their heads, right? You know, you kind of picture the scene, kind of the whole thing happening, dilly-dilly, right? Right there. And here it is. And what's going to happen? And in the presence of its officials, he restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that once again he put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he impaled the chief baker just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. And I'm sure, like, you know, it's not going well for the chief baker. But, you know, the cupbearer, like, got off. Like, he's okay. He's fine. And I'm sure, Joseph, the word gets back to the prison. Hey, the chief cupbearer's fine. Joseph's like, yes, my ticket out. I'm going, right? Here we go. 
Get me out. I interpreted that dream. Remember? Remember verse 23. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. What do you do when it seems like God forgets? What do you do when you pray and you're like, God, remember me? Oh, I kind of wanted to be somewhere else in life by now. I kind of wanted a different job, different place, different station. God, do you hear? God, do you care? I thought I'd be in a different place, and I thought this was what you were doing, and here I am. If you're taking notes today, here's some things I'd love for you to write down because I think this is important for all of us, maybe now or in the future. Listen, God is forging Joseph and us through some things we've talked about. One, dreams. God gave Joseph a dream. God gave Joseph a dream for what he would do in his life, and and God's given you a dream. And maybe that dream hasn't come to fruition yet. You know what? You hold on to that dream. You stay faithful in that dream. And God forges us through family, through the good things that people have poured into us, even through the challenges. We have to go forward. And we have to make decisions. God forges us through temptation. We saw that last week. Now, we said temptation is not a sin. Temptation is not a sin. Temptation is an opportunity to choose what is right, to choose what is good. Temptation is a test. It's a part of that forging process. Are we growing? Are we maturing? And then today, and waiting. Wait. Now, I got to tell you guys, I don't like to wait, okay? I, I just, I, I struggle with waiting. I do. I'm not very good at patience. You can ask my family. I'm getting better, I hope. I'm trying, you know, but, but I just, I, I'm just like always want to be. I'm always wanting to go. And waiting is tough, but God forges us in the waiting and the trust. One of the most challenging times in my own spiritual life was when I graduated college. And I graduated college and I had majored in finance and, and marketing. I always thought I was going to go into business. And then God called me to ministry. And so when I graduated, all my interviews were like in business. But I, yet I knew God had called me to ministry. So I go to an interview and I'd be like, no, it's not the right fit. And then I'm like, okay, God, <laughs> what do you want me to do? And I'm waiting and, and I, I like, I got to get a job. You know, I need a job. And, and I'm praying and it just, it didn't seem like I was answering. I remember going to the mailbox one day. I'm like, God, just write me a letter, right? And I'm like, look to the mailbox. Like, is there a letter? Like, if you just tell me, God, what you want me to do, I'll do it. And I remember taking a job at a bank. And I was working at this bank for six months. Now, for all you who are in banking, way to go. Blessings on you. You're awesome and doing a great job. For me, it was like unbelievable because they stuck me in a back room. And like, I'm looking at accounts all day, like by myself. Now, I don't know if you guys know this about me. I'm like an extrovert, okay? Like, I need people. Like, I love people. I love being around people. I just, I'm like stuck in this little place in a box by myself looking at these accounts. I'm going, God, really? Is this what you want me to do? And the waiting. And yet God was saying, be patient. Be patient. Be patient. I'm teaching you something. I'm pouring into you. And here's what I found. God never wastes an experience. God never wastes an experience. And after six months, and then I took a job and did ministry. And it's amazing how in ministry is like, oh, wow, I needed that background. I needed to know, you know, something about business. I needed to understand that, how things work. And, and God, I didn't want to be there. But, God, you were teaching me in the middle of that. So what do we do? What do we do in the waiting? Number one is this, be faithful wherever you are. Be faithful wherever you are. Maybe you're in your job you don't like. <laughs> 
And you're like, God, I want a different job. And maybe you want to be married and you're just waiting. You're just waiting. Like, where's the guy who's going to sweep me off my feet? God, maybe, you know, in my life, I want to be past this illness or I want to be past this struggle. And God, why am I going through this? Be faithful wherever you are. Hold on to God. Trust God. Grow deeper in your faith. Here's the thing about Joseph. Joseph was faithful to God at home. Remember when he was a kid growing up, he was just faithful. I'm going to be here, and I'm going to learn what I can. He was faithful as a slave in Potiphar's home, and he rises up the ranks because he was faithful, and he was faithful now even in prison. The prison warden recognized him and said, hey, I'm going to let you attend to even the the special prisoners. He just kind of rose up. He could have sat around. He could have been bitter. He could have been angry. He could have been frustrated. He could have been mad at God. He could have been mad at everybody else. But he's like, no, I'm going to be faithful. And look at this. For 13 years, Joseph was a slave or in prison. 13 years. Now, a lot of times, man, we read the Bible and we're kind of like, oh, okay, you know, he was a slave. All right, next page. Hey, look, he's a prisoner. Okay, next page. He's like, it, we just kind of move on. But these are real years. This is real time. In our lives, we pray, like, God, get me out of this. And God, you didn't answer my prayer today, so I guess you forgot about me. And God's going, no, 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 no. Hold on. I'm still at work. Trust me. Grow deeper in your faith right where you are. When you are faithful in the small things, God will give you bigger things. Luke 16, 10 tells us that. When you are faithful in the small things, God will give you bigger things. God was preparing Joseph for what God was preparing for Joseph. And Joseph wasn't ready yet. And the situation wasn't ready yet. But in your life and in my life, hey, be faithful. Be faithful. Hold on to God. Trust God. A lot of times we're like, hey, God, you know, when, when I win the lottery, then, you know, I'm going to be generous, I'm going to help out, I'm going to tithe, I'm going to do that. God's going to just be faithful to little. And then you'll be ready for that. Hey, God, when I get, you know, this big position and then I'm able to do this stuff, or God, when I retire, then I'll get serious about you and I'll have time to serve and I'll have time to help out. And God's no, no, just be faithful. Right here, right now. Invest in the things that matter right here, right now. Here's the second thing you see. Don't take shortcuts. Don't take shortcuts. Uh, guys, Joseph did not try to do something outside of God's will. Uh, Joseph probably had thoughts about Jackie Chan, you know, and going ninja on the you know, guards and taking everybody out and escaping. But he's like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. God's got this. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to trust. I- I'm going to be faithful. I'm not going to take shortcuts. And I think about how many people have taken shortcuts and missed out on the will of God. How many people have run ahead of God instead of waiting on God? Joseph learned to be patient. Joseph was patient. Listen, he was only 28 years old. You know, and I think a lot of times we're kind of thinking, hey, I should be somewhere different, you know. Hey, I I should be, you know, like the executive vice president of our company because I I know more than my boss does. I know more than my boss's boss. And and I should be there. Hey, listen, listen, wherever you are in life, the end of the story's not done. Yeah, I should be in this place. I should be there. No, no, right where you are right now, be faithful. Well, Joseph's only 28. You're going to see next week God does something incredible in his life. But right now, God's getting him ready. And God's getting you ready. Are you growing in him? See, when God gives us a dream, we must wait for God to fulfill the dream in his timing. It's his timing, not our timing. So often we want it in our timing, don't we? 
I want it now. I want it now. And God's going, hold on. I'm looking at your whole life. I'm not just looking at this moment. I'm looking at everything in your life. Hold on to me. Hold on to me. See, God will not call you to do something outside of his word or his character. Joseph learned from his great-granddad. His great-granddad, Abraham, right? Remember this, that God gave him this call and said, Abraham, you leave your country and go to this land. I will show you and I'll make your descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky. And Abraham does that. And him and his wife, Sarah, and things are good. And then they don't have kids. And he's like, hey, the, the Messiah thing, all that's coming through my line. This is going to be descendants, right? And they wait, and they wait. And finally, Sarah goes, hey, you know what? Maybe God forgot about us. Why don't you sleep with my maidservant? We'll build a family through her. Abraham's like, okay. Way to be the spiritual leader, man. Step up and say no, you know? I mean, because that's outside of God's word. That's outside of God's character. God's not going to call you to do something like that. You look at the Bible and you're like, why do these people take multiple wives? Where did that come from? That was outside of God's word, outside of God's character. I mean, God said a man and a woman marry, but then you see the trouble that it causes. And it happens so often. We take a shortcut out there. We're like, it got a, I'm, I'm kind of tired of waiting for the right guy, you know? Maybe I should lower my standards. Because <laughs> I want to be married. I want to be remarried so bad. And maybe I should just lower my standards. And God's going, oh, no, 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 no. No, no, no. You wait. God, I thought I would have this much money in my account, you know, by the time I retired, and it's not there yet, so maybe if I just fudge a little on my taxes, nobody's really going to know, and it's just, no, 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 no. Don't do it outside of his word or outside of his character. Abraham does. Sleeps with Hagar. She has a child, Ishmael. And God goes, that wasn't the promise. The promise was going to come through Sarah. Many years later, Sarah has a child, Isaac. But you know what? We still feel that tension today, right? Because Abraham's the father of three major world religions and Christians and Jews. The Bible goes back through Isaac to Abraham. Islam goes back through Ishmael to Abraham. See, we can run ahead of God and we can try to do it ourselves, but don't take shortcuts. Here's what it tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do you know that God has a perfect will for your life? But many times we settle for God's pleasing will or God's good will because we're not willing to wait. Joseph waited. Here's the third thing. It's this. Be active in waiting. Be active and waiting. Now, this sounds counterintuitive, doesn't it? You know, many times people think, oh, I just should sit back and wait. No, no, no. Be active and waiting. Joseph was looking for ways to help and minister, even in prison. He wasn't just kicked back and feeling sorry for himself the whole time and just having a pity party over here in his cell. He was like, okay, well, I'm here. Might as well do something. You know, put me in, coach. You know, okay, God, if you could use me. And these guys look sad. Hey, let me ask them why they're sad, let me do ministry there. Joseph was not a pastor, but he was doing ministry. And maybe God has you in the job you're in right now. Maybe it's not just for you. Maybe there's people around you that you can look and see what's going on in their life and just say, hey, how can I pray for you? How can I help you? How can I serve you? What's going on with you? Maybe you're still in the neighborhood you're in, or maybe you're still in the apartment or the condo you're in, even though you want to be in a house or you want to live in a different place. Maybe you're still there because God's like, I'm going to use you right where you are. If you'll just be active in that and just say, hey, God, you have me here, so God, what do you want to do through me? 
How do you want to use me? Here's the thing. Waiting is not passive. Waiting is not passive. Uh, Joseph didn't just sit on the side. He got in. And I'm sure Joseph was thinking, hey, this cupbearer, <laughs> chief baker, friends with Pharaoh, I'm going to get out of here. God, maybe that's it. The networking, the connections, the, the building the relationships. But in the middle of the waiting, sometimes people will come and just say, hey, Jeff, I just, I just really need a new job. And I'm like, great, I will definitely pray for you. Hey, have you sent any resumes out? Have you gotten online to see what's out there? Have you, have you looked? Have you, have you know, researched? Have you, what, what are you doing in the midst of that? I think that's us being active. Are you dating the right guys? Are you hanging around the right people? Are you putting yourself in the right places? And it's so easy for us to turn in on ourselves. It's so easy for us to get frustrated, but for us to say, no, 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 no. I am where I am for a reason and for a purpose. And God hasn't forgotten me. So God, what do you want to do through me? What do you want to do through me? Here's the next one if you're taking notes right here. Remember God's sovereignty. God is ultimately in control. Guys, this is big. God is ultimately in control. See, Joseph recognized and acknowledged that God gave him the power to interpret dreams. He didn't just say, hey, it's all about me. No, he said, look, look, God wants to do this. God wants to do something in your life. And instead of turning from God, Joseph turned to God. He had a lot of time in that prison cell to get on his knees and to pray. He had a lot of time to really kind of work through his thoughts and work through his plan. He had a lot of time to, to learn Egyptian, a lot of time to kind of say, hey, what am I going to do here? He had a lot of time, and he used that time. And he had time to grow deeper in the Lord. Wherever you are, this is your time. Jump into church. Serve. Maybe God's calling you to be baptized. Maybe God's calling you to lead a community group. Maybe God's calling you to lead a Bible study. Maybe God's calling you, I don't know, or go on a mission trip, but somehow recognize that God is sovereign and I want to align my life with his plans and his purposes and not just my own. Because maybe my own dreams are too small. Maybe my own thoughts are like, hey, this is where I want to be and God's going, well, you may want to be there, but I want you to be here. Do you want to be, trust me in that. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. Hey, listen, just because you don't hear from God all the time doesn't mean that God is not working. It doesn't mean that God's not working. Uh, Mother Teresa, what a, one of my favorite people, I, I love Mother Teresa, and uh, you guys know her life, her story, ministering to the poorest of the poor in Calcutta. I mean, here she is down in the slums and working with these the children who are the least, the last, the lost of the world, and saying to all of us who are believers, you know, hey, this is important to God, the poor and the broken, the forgotten. But do you know, after she passed away, they, they found her diaries, and they started reading through some of her diaries. And Mother Teresa, even Mother Teresa, said, there are days when I pray, and I don't feel like God answers my prayer. <laughs> there are days when I pray, and I don't hear from God immediately. Now, she didn't say, okay, well, God, I prayed today, and you didn't answer, so God, forget it. I'm going to go do my own thing. I'm going to do something else. Maybe I'm going to go start, you know, some business somewhere else in London because it's nicer there. You know, she just stayed faithful. And she's like, I know God's sovereign plan for the least, the last, the lost. I know God's plan for me is to be in the center of his will, and I'm just going to stay faithful. I'm going to stay faithful. And this is the last one, right? Live in the confidence that God will never forget you. Guys, you are a son or daughter of the King of kings and Lord of lords. God will never forget you. The cupbearer may have forgotten Joseph, 
But Joseph knew God would never forget him. God hasn't given up on you. You don't give up on God. And Joseph learned that. Joseph learned not to tie his success to a man. He as great as his dad was. Hey, I'm just not the right. Or, or to Potiphar, right, the captain of the guard, or to this cupbearer, or to Pharaoh. He learned to tie his heart to his father. Your circumstances will change. You know, there'll be different jobs that you'll have at different times. Your success isn't measured in your boss. You may live in different places. You may move from a, a condo to a house. You may live in an apartment. You may live in different places. You may live in different cities. But your success isn't tied there. Your success is tied to being faithful. Your call to God is to be faithful. That's success. I'm holding on to God regardless of my circumstances. I'm always going to follow. I'm always going to trust that God is with me and God is for me. Hey, this is what sets disciples apart. They know that God is with them, even in the waiting. I don't know where you are. Maybe you're in a time of waiting today. God hasn't forgotten you. This is your time to dig deeper and grow stronger in him. Another one of my favorite people is Nelson Mandela. Uh, Nelson Mandela, uh, many of you know, I mean, the impact that Nelson Mandela had on the world. A few years ago, I had the opportunity to go with our mission team from church to South Africa. You know, as a church, we work in Moldova, the Amazon, and South Africa. And, and we go and we work in Red Hills, South Africa, with some of the poorest but most precious children you've ever seen in your life. We just have fallen in love with this community of Red Hill. We've been there for 11 years investing in this community as a church, as the body of Christ. And while we were in South Africa a few years ago, we had the chance to go to Robben Island. And Robben Island is where Nelson Mandela was in prison. Nelson Mandela was in prison for 27 years. 27 years. Now, Nelson Mandela is a, a, a Christian, a Christ follower. He, he grew up, he went to a Methodist church. You know, he was, he was baptized. And, and even, in, even in college, he led Bible studies. But then he stood up against apartheid and in 1963, he was arrested and taken to Robben Island. And Robben Island is like the equivalent of our Alcatraz. I mean, this place is tough. And those white guards were brutal, brutal. Just trying to break him down, break every one of those prisoners down and, and the stuff that he endured. But while he was there, he read, he studied. He was getting ready because he knew and he never lost this attitude that God was with him and for him. When he was released in 1990, after 27 years of manual labor and the hot sun and everything else that he endured, he said in his autobiography, A Long Walk to Freedom, he said, as I was walking to the gate that led to my freedom when I was released in 1990, as I was walking to that gate, I determined that if I didn't leave my bitterness and my hatred behind, I would still be in prison. And he walked out a free man, spiritually physically, mentally, and within four years, you know, he became the president of South Africa, ended apartheid, united the country, and impacted the world. You think God was doing something in his life over those 27 years, teaching him to forgive, teaching him what was right and wrong, preparing him to lead? There was nobody who could have done that, but God was preparing him for what God was preparing for him. And God is doing that in you. You hold on to God. You stay faithful. God is with you, even the waiting.
And there's no greater way for us to recognize God's sovereignty in our life, I think, than for us to share communion, the Lord's Supper. You know, when we come to the table, and there's two tables set up here, the front, there's two tables on the side, there's two tables in the back. When we come and we take a piece of the bread, Christ's body broken for us, and we dip it into that cup, Christ's blood poured out for us, we remember, we remember, we remember what God did for us. And if God would not spare his own son for us, is there anything that God wouldn't do for us? It shows us the depth of his love for us, that we are his children, that he has great plans, and he's never gonna give up on us. So this morning, I wanna invite you to come to this table. It's not my invitation, not the invitation of Rolling Hills. This is the invitation of God himself to come to receive what only God can give. There's a gluten-free table over here. The closest table may be behind you, but to come to the table. And when you come this morning, I want you just to think, God, you are the Lord of my life, and you have me where I am for reason, for purpose. God, help me be faithful. Grow me as a disciple, as a man or woman after your heart. Use me and teach me to be the man or woman you created me to be. What's God calling you to do? How's God calling you to respond? I wanna invite you to pray and then I'm gonna invite you to come to his table. Father, thank you for your presence this morning. God, thank you that you're with us all the time. And not just in the good times, God, when things are easy, but Father, even in the hard times, in the challenges and the struggles. And God, you promised to never leave us. You promised to never forsake us. And so I pray this morning, God, as we come to your table, that we would reaffirm our faith in you, that we would understand the depth of your love for us, that we would know that we are your disciples, and that, God, you want to use us in a great way for your glory. So, Father, find us faithful today. Find us faithful. Speak to our hearts as we come to receive from you. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. You're invited to come and share communion this morning.